welcome back to Voices from the Mausoleum. Uh, I'm in my will-be new studio. You see my beautiful Frankenstein's monster behind me. Um, and I'm just kind of in the middle of like trying to get this set up done, which is taking oh, way too long. I'm excited and I'm ready to have it over with. Um, so today I thought it would be kind of a fun video um, to show and talk about and maybe read one or two little stories out of a horror series of books that I got. I think I got like I don't know, some point in time last year. Um, and of course, any information about these books I'm going to put below. Um, but it is two, it's technically two different series, but they're all from the same people. So the first one is called Nightmare Soup, and it just says, Tales That Will Turn Your Stomach. And then this is Nightmare Soup Volume 2, The Second Helping. Um... These are obviously, um, like, um, scary stories to tell in the dark. I mean, the, the artwork, like, I mean, you, you get it. Um, so written by Jake Tri, T-R-I, um, illustrated by Andy Ziasko, S-C-I-A-Z-K-O. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, I will tell you that the artwork really drives home the, um, the stories. Um, and then the second one is called the nightmare society and it's a volume one and a volume two. So this is the cover for the first one. And this is the second one. Love the artwork. I really like the black and white images, but the color ones are pretty badass too. So anyway, so one of the things I talked about in my intro video was covering, you know, a very wide variety of things that I have to do with horror. Um, and I have been reading creepypastas for a very long time. And I really like reading and looking at images and things that have to do with like horror, like just artwork. I'm a huge fan of like horror, or like obscure Macabre kind of like, um, you know, drawings and paintings and prints and stuff. And so when I saw these books on, I think I got them, or I think I saw the ad for the first time on Facebook, but when I saw it, I was like, I have to add these. They're really neat. I have not read the Nightmare Society books yet. These two, I haven't done these yet, um, but I have read and reread both of the, um, the uh, Nightmare Soup books. Um, and I'm just a really big fan. I like them a lot. The art is like, oh man, the stuff that comes in people's heads. It's amazing. Anyway, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about those and then um, maybe read a couple of things from maybe the first one. We'll see how it goes. Um, they're very, very short, so I may do a couple just to make sure the video is even worth, you know. Um, maybe what I'll do is I'll read one from each, so it'll be four total. I think the Nightmare Societies are also really short. It would help if I knew how to turn pages accurately. Um, yeah, okay, so Nightmare Society is a little bit longer, but that's okay because they're still really short. They're only like two pages full. Um, so I'll read one from each one. All right, so Nightmare Soup, Tales That Will Turn Your Stomach. Hmm. I'm trying to remember one of the ones that I really liked. Okay, we're going to do Full Moon Guest. It's the third one um, in, in this uh, story. And I'll show you the picture when we get there, but in the meantime, I'm just going to read it. The radio buzzed as John and Carrie drove through the woods. They were headed to their family's cabin for a quiet weekend alone. Reports of three murders in the last week, static, 
Killers on the loose. Residents are urged to stay indoors tonight as the police search continues. You hear that? Carrie's voice was full of apprehension and concern. I wouldn't worry about it. We're way up in the mountains. Nobody's going to come all the way up here. John continued driving until they reached the old cabin built in the 1960s. It's just me and you, John smiled. The perfect anniversary, plus there's supposed to be a full moon tonight. After the two unpacked their belongings, John and Carrie lit the fireplace, beginning their romantic evening together. As the night set in, the two poured a glass of wine and cozied up in the family room. Suddenly, there was a knock at the front entrance. Who could that be? John got up and peered out the window and then opened the door. Nobody was there. Hello, he called out into the darkened woods, but no answer came. He closed the door and walked back toward Carrie, but then another hard wooden knock echoed through the room. John returned to the door and slowly pulled it open. Again, nobody was there. But as he started to close it, a figure emerged from the shadows and began to approach the cabin. The figure was tall and lanky, a man wearing a cloth sack on his head. Upon the fabric, he had drawn a hollow, grinning face. The man was soon joined by two others. All three carried large, blood-stained knives. The three figures then started running toward the cabin. Carrie, run! John and Carrie rushed for the back door, but it was too late. The three men crashed through the front entrance, the two of them tackling John. The other went for Carrie. All three laughed hysterically as they bound John and Carrie's hands and feet. The leader of the three men knelt down next to John and looked out the window. It's a full moon, neighbor. You have to be careful what happens on a full moon. The man then raised his knife, ready to strike. But to his surprise, John burst into laughter. You know, you're right about that. John's voice devolved into a heavy growl. Fangs erupted from his mouth. His skin sprouted a thick fur and his clothes tore as a hulking monster took form. Carrie snapped the rope that bound her claws forming from her perfectly painted nails. The intruders backed away in terror as two gigantic wolf-like creatures rose in front of them. John and Carrie lumbered toward the three men, a rabid hunger blazing in their yellow eyes. You see, the police aren't searching for you three, John snarled. They're searching for us. The end. I love werewolves. They're so neat. They are way cooler than vampires, in my opinion. Okay, Nightmare Soup 2, the second helping. I feel like I had a favorite out of this one, too. Let's see. Let's see. Let's do... Do not read this. This is one of the... Um, towards the... Almost one of the last ones. I like how simple they are in terms of... They're very easy read. But there's enough description and enough use of language that you kind of at least get into it. I, I think when I read it for the first time, I think I had guessed that they were actually werewolves. Um, or at least had suspected that a werewolf was going to save them. Um, but 
I like stories with like cute little twists like that where it's like, you know, these these bad people are think that they're like this tough shit and then it's like, mm, not really. Reminds me of a really good werewolf movie called The Thompsons. I think I always say it wrong because there's two of them and they both are called the and then it's like a last name. The Thompsons or the... Mm. Whenever I'm done filming this, I'll put it like written, like right here what it's called. But anyway, it's a very, very, very unique take on... Um, Monsters. It's really good. It's about this family of, um, it's a dad, two kids, two, uh, like, I guess like young adults, um, and then their younger sibling. And, um, they're essentially murderers and it's about them capturing this woman and trying to con like condition and coerce the younger sibling is like, no, you gotta do like, you gotta take like your first kill. You know, you gotta do it as part of being in this family. And it's, it's got a very good, very, very good plot twist at the end. It's a super good movie. Hopefully I didn't ruin anything by saying that, but I'm going to put it again. I'm going to put it right, right up here. Because it is, it's the Thompsons and something else, but I can't remember what the other one is. I always say the Thompsons, but I think the Thompsons is actually the sequel, and I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. So, all right. 97 is the page number. I don't know why I said it out loud. We're just going to roll with it. Do not read this. This has art on. Let me see which page. The next page. Okay. I'll do the same thing. I'll bend it. They're very bendy. It'll be okay. All the book lovers are cringing. Do not read this. Seriously, stop reading right now. Skip this story. I said stop. Why are you continuing to read? Do you not understand what stop reading means? Stop. Something bad is going to happen if you keep going. If you value your life, stop reading. Do not keep 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 reading. This is written in all bold right here. This is my last warning. If you keep going, I can't help you. Please, I'm begging you, don't let the cycle continue. This is the end of the page, your final chance. Stop now. Signature. Okay. If you're reading this, it's too late. You've seen it and it has seen you. And it never forgets a face. We don't know how it got inside this book. The illustration just randomly showed up in the first print. And we definitely didn't put it there. It seems to be some type of spirit. Hold up, sorry. Or demon. Or we're not exactly sure. All we know is that once you've seen it, you have 24 hours to show its face to someone else. Or it will come for you. Sorry, guys. Although it'll be more than 24 hours. If I don't upload any videos, don't watch this. I guess it'd be too late by that point. It might, uh, it might show up the second after the 24-hour period has passed, or it might wait months, even years, before it decides that you're next. It loves to create fear and anxiety, to have you looking over your shoulder waiting for it to finally arrive. Again, if you're reading this, you have two options. You can either stop the cycle and accept your fate, or you can show the illustration to someone else within 24 hours. This works digitally as well. <laughs> this is perfect. I'm glad I picked this one. I forgot about that. 
So whether it's right or wrong, many have decided to share the image on social media. We're trying to track this activity as best we can, like a virus that's rapidly spreading. So if you decide to go that route, you can help us by tagging your post with hashtag TheBookDemon or something similar. If you show someone else the image, please make sure they know the rules. It will save their life. We're so sorry this happened, but we did warn you beforehand. We're doing everything we can to stop this, but until we do, you have 24 hours. I don't know about y'all, but I am posting this picture on social media because I'm not taking any chances. Okay. So, Nightmare Society. We'll do these next. Um, again, I haven't read these, so I'm just going to go based off title on this one and find one that I think it sounds cool. Because I don't really know which one is going to be the best one to read. I thought for a second they didn't have a table of contents. Let's see, like they haven't even been opened yet. Okay. day. Hmm. They have a wolf one. All right, let's see. Moonburn, the crimson wolf, or the meat thief. I already did a wolf one. Let's do meat thief. Page 70. Okay, so these pictures are actually a lot more detailed than the other ones. It's the same... Sorry, it might be by somebody else. It says edited by Jake this time. No, it says the same people. Okay, just want to make sure I give credit where credit's due. Also, I forgot what freaking page number. 70 page number. I'm really close. Okie day. The Meat Thief. Let me see how many pages. This is kind of long. Yeah. It's too long. I just won't read one out of the next one. Okay. The Meat Thief. Oh, okay. So it has like their, whoever wrote each individual story. It's a collection. Okay. I follow. That makes sense. Nightmare Society. It's kind of like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Midnight Society. Okay. Story by Alex Olson, illustrated by Andy Ziazko. The hunter sat and watched the fruit rot. The scuffed round table was buzzing with flies as the bananas wilted, the apples shrank, and the grapes darkened. Flies buzzed around the table and the hunters glared at their rotten fruit, which, just hours ago, had been fresh and full of color. The bananas sitting on the plate had grown brown and black, the apples were mushy, and the grapes were shriveled and well on their way to becoming raisins. The rest of the cabin was in shambles, too. The old sofa had been ripped apart with bits of white fluff scattered all around the floor. Several of the mounted animal heads had been knocked off the walls, the bison head lying near the fireplace, and a buck's head rested against the wooden rocking chair. The freezer had been knocked over as well, and the fresh meat from the boar they'd gutted had been taken. There were smears and red splotches on the floor, like the thief had been too hungry to wait. It was a creature... The hunters agreed on that, but that was where the agreement ended. Wendigo, said Richards. He's been on hunts with some other men, and they always told sensational tales of cannibalistic spirits around the campfire. Paulson just rolled his eyes. He thought his friend was going soft in the head. Besides, what about the marks on the trees? 
deep gouges like cat scratches, but only a tiger could leave those kind of marks. And there were no tigers in the Upper Peninsula. The gas generator they used to power the cabin had broken down. It was brand new, yet it coughed weakly and died. Richards tried to fix it, but there was nothing to be done. Later that day, they found that Paulson's truck had been sabotaged. The deep slashes found in the tires had appeared on all four tires. They'd managed to keep their cool. They were seasoned hunters and could both recall shivering nights without modern comforts, and they had survived those. Paulson had once pitched a tent in a snowstorm and had to dig himself out in the morning and trek 30 miles to town. When they found what their cell phones suddenly received no, no reception, however, a grimness settled over them. Richard lapsed into a brooding silence and took to staring out the windows. He seemed to be waiting for the meat thief to return. In fact, the only word Paulson could recall Richard saying recently was Wendigo. And that had been last night when Paulson paced the cabin, talking to the walls about what could be stalking them. It wasn't a bear or a wolf or a wildcat. They knew the tracks and signs of such creatures. Paulson decided to wait for rescue. They told their wives they'd be back Monday, and it was already Tuesday morning. Park rangers and state troopers were probably picking their way through the trees right now. Richard settled into his chair and studied the slope of the rotting banana. He thought about the shrieking creature he saw in the woods two days earlier, the one he had followed when Paulson was asleep. It had long, gangly limbs and it sprang from tree to tree like a squirrel. It looked like a person, a person who had not eaten in a severely long time. He followed the creature until he came across a large log lying in his path. There were bloody chunks of meat sitting on it like chicken strips on a plate. It smelled so damn good, and when Richard saw the chunks, an insatiable hunger immediately came over him. The sweet hickory smell was intoxicating. He gobbled the morsels up, licking his fingers, grinning up at the sky as he chewed. It was like eating salty jerky, sweet ham, and thick steak all at the same time. When Richards finally returned to the cabin, his friend pointed to the fresh blood splattered on his chin. Looks like you nicked yourself there, Paulson said. Richards simply wiped the blood away without a comment. Paulson would never believe him. Definitely a wendigo. Are you all right? Paulson said, ripping Richard out of his thoughts. Yes, fine, he replied. He looked down at his hands and was shocked to see that he'd been gripping them into fists, his fingernails cutting into his palms, drawing blood. Richard stared at the deep red liquid, watching it dribble down onto the table. It flowed from the scratches and cracks. It made him think of meat, of chewing, of hunger. His stomach gurgled and he jumped up from the table. Excuse me, he mumbled to Paulson. He ran into the bathroom and slammed the door. Paulson gazed at the closed door with faint amazement. No wonder Richards has been acting odd. He was sick. Probably some stomach bug from the canned beans they'd been eating. No matter, rescue had to be on the way soon. From the bathroom, Richards cried out in pain. Paulson walked over and knocked on the door. You all right in there? Oh, my bones, Richards groaned. What do you mean? They're, they're growing. A gut-pounding, animalistic shriek thundered from the bathroom. Paulson slowly backed up towards the front of the cabin when another shriek turned his heart cold. Richards? A low, gurgling voice came drifting out from under the door. Hungry. I'm so hungry. There was a long silence as Paulson stood transfixed, one hand clutching the front doorknob, ready to flee. 
the bathroom door swung open when Paulson couldn't, but Paulson couldn't see into the shadows. Wendigo, Richard shrieked. He scurried out of the bathroom on all fours and lunged at Paulson. As Richard sank his teeth into Paulson's flesh, he couldn't help but think it tasted like salty jerk, salty jerky, sweet ham, and thick steak all at the same time. That's the picture for that one. I guess it's like the change. So like this is when he was like a little more normal and then this was like the transition. Sorry I butchered up that last line. Wendigos are cool. The story is cool. Alright. You got a few minutes. Uh, Nightmare Society Volume 2. Again, I haven't read this one either, so... Ooh, that one sounds like it could be about aliens. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Let's do... The lights were real. I, I like aliens, so we'll see if that is what it has to do with. Maybe not. Maybe it has to do with will-o'-wisps. Will-o'-wisps. Wisps. Oh, I didn't realize the books have content advisories. Some stories in the Nightmare Society contain strong language, adult themes, and graphic descriptions of violence and horror. Reader discretion is advised. Okay. The lights were real. I assume the picture for this is at the end of this as well. It is. I'm not, I'm not correct. It's not aliens. That's kind of... Story by... Oh, Jake Tree or Try, illustrated by Andy. So these the original folks. The following is a true story. It was a normal Tuesday night in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I was staying at my cousin's house for the week. At about 8 p.m., I decided to go for a quick run while he was out getting groceries. It was the end of January, and the dry, icy air whipped across my face as I jogged through the small neighborhood. Usually, this would be unpleasant in such low temperatures, but the area overlooked the Salt Lake Valley, and you could see the entire city spread out across the horizon. Being from the Midwest, I didn't get this type of view very often. After stopping a few times to take in the scenery, I eventually made my way back to his house. As soon as I stepped inside the warm living room, I plopped out on the couch, my skin still tingling from the winter winds. About two seconds later, I felt a vibration buzzing against my thigh. My cousin, Logan, was calling me. Hey, what's up? I asked. I could immediately hear heavy breathing on the other line. Logan's voice was trembling. Go outside and look above the city. Right now. Game of goosebumps. I sat up and rushed back into the biting cold. I took a few steps into the street and looked out over the valley. That's when I nearly dropped my phone. It was the brightest light I had ever seen. A gigantic glowing orb hovering over the city with two smaller orbs creating a triangle pattern in the sky. This was not a plane. I couldn't believe it. I had heard stories. I had watched grainy, blurred videos on the internet, and I thought I had seen things in the past. But this was clear as it could possibly be, undeniable, undoubtable, and it was right in front of me. I was looking at the very definition of an unidentified flying object, a UFO. Do you see the lights? Do you see them? I could hear Logan yelling from my phone as it dangled from my fingers. Yeah, yeah, I, I see them. I forced the words through my lips as my concentration was on the lights. 
My stomach was completely knotted up, a mix of fear, excitement, and disbelief keeping me frozen in the middle of the road. The intensity of the glowing orbs made it seem like the sky was on fire. It was incredible. Then, with no warning and not a single audible noise, the lights pulsed a few times and blasted through the clouds. Disappearing at a speed so fast my eyes could barely track them. The entire encounter lasted less than 30 seconds. I stayed on the phone with my cousin for a couple minutes, most of which was just silence, nervous laughter, and us constantly asking one another if what we had just seen was real. I walked down the street for a couple blocks, scanning the horizon to see if the lights would return, but I was greeted with nothing but icy winds and darkness, so I eventually turned around. That's when things got even stranger. As I walked back to the house, I glanced down a little side alley illuminated by a single street light. Standing in the light was a man with his back turned to me. He was tall and skinny with long gangly arms outstretched to his side as if he was hanging on an invisible cross. His head was tilted up to the sky as far as his neck would physically allow and he was making a strange gurgling sound. Nine out of ten times I would have simply kept walking but for some reason I spoke out to the man. Sir, are you okay? The man stopped making the deep gurgling sound with his throat and slowly turned around continuing to hold his arms up. When I finally saw his face, his mouth was open as wide as possible, as if his jaw was locked or frozen. I immediately turned and sprinted towards my cousin's house, my heart beating with such force I could feel it in my ears. Logan was waiting for me as soon as I rushed in the door. We blabbered non- <laughs> Blabbered. I'm sorry, that broke my, my immersion into the story. Moving on. To one another for about an hour about the whole situation, then started texting and calling people to see if anyone else had seen anything strange. We definitely weren't the only ones. That night, there were hundreds of reports about strange lights over Salt Lake City. Finally, at about one in the morning, we calmed down enough to try and sleep, and I emphasized the word try, as my mind was still buzzing about what I had seen. Logan trudged off to his bedroom, and I spread out on the living room couch. But after turning off the lights, my eyes wouldn't close. Instead, they were drawn to the window directly across the room. The knot in my stomach started to tighten again, and the harder I stared, the more dread I felt growing inside of me. For some reason, I had to look out that window. I simply had to. I stood up from the couch and slowly walked across the room. Goosebumps erupted all over my skin, and every strand of hair on my neck was standing up. My stomach felt like it was in my lungs. I knew in my gut something was going to be out there. I just didn't know what. Every cell in my body was forcing me towards the rectangle-shaped void in the wall. And as I peered outside into the darkness, I let out an audible gasp. There stood the man with the gangly outstretched arms. He was standing across the street, just staring blankly at the house. He had followed me when I ran away. I rushed into my cousin's room and woke him up and we decided to call the cops just to be safe. But by the time they arrived, the man was gone. The night was easily the strangest series of events I'd ever been through. After reading this, however, you're probably thinking to yourself, this is complete bullshit. There's no way that happened, especially since this is written in a book of short horror stories. 
I will tell you this. I don't know what was hovering over Salt Lake City, and I don't know what was wrong with the man that followed me home. All I know is I experienced something strange that night, and I assure you, the lights were real. I like that one. I don't give a goosebumps. Even though the word babble did mess me up a little bit. Okay, so that's the Nightmare Society and Nightmare Soup. Some books that I have. Um, I'll put a link to where you can find these um, below. I'm going to share it on social media. I saved my page. I suggest you do the same so this thing don't show up hovering over you in the middle of the night and messing with you. And um, that's all I have for this one. So I, I had mixed feelings about doing a book one um, because I don't know that everybody likes to be read to per se. But uh, please let me know what you think. If this is something like you like seeing random things like this, like reading creepypastas or short stories or, or shit, even a book series. I have a phenomenal book that is um, the uh, book version of uh, Pan's Labyrinth. And the artwork is stunning. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I'll put a link to these below. Um, and I will see you guys next time. I hope you had a good week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you next Saturday.